you have your Bibles, can you turn to Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 17. And he, Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed them. Father, we ask that you would be merciful to us this morning and open your word to us. For we know that apart from your spirit working through your word, we cannot hear, we cannot understand. We're so dependent upon you this morning to meet with us, to work in us. Oh, Father, have mercy on us. May we see Jesus, see his power, his greatness. And may we truly, truly delight in him and know his power in our own lives. We ask this in Christ. Amen. When we read this section of scripture in Luke chapter 6, do you ever find that wouldn't it be great to have been one of these people? Wouldn't it have been great to have been there? He comes, Jesus comes, shows up, and he heals anyone and every one of their diseases. Casting out demons. Wouldn't that have been something? To hear the power of his teaching? You know, a couple years back on YouTube, there was this one video that went viral. This 29-year-old girl, she's been deaf her whole life. I don't know if you've seen this. And they put an implant in her ear. And it, they have this new system where it, it implants on the back behind the ear and it picks up sound waves. And I don't know exactly how it works, but whatever it does, it allows them to hear. And she starts hearing for the first time and completely breaks down. It's hard to watch. I mean, because you're overwhelmed with joy yourself. Like, what would that have been like? What would that have been like to have never heard and all of a sudden you hear for the first time after all those years? In so many ways, I I see that as a picture of what the whole hillside of Galilee would have been like. The deaf receiving their, their, their hearing. The blind receiving their sight. The paralyzed walking. Could you imagine the joy could you imagine how, how unbelievable it would have been to be a witness to that? It absolutely would have been astounding. You know, I could only imagine the scene and what it would have been like and how much people would have been leaping for joy, weeping for joy, crying because so many of them, for the first time in their lives, they're experiencing a blessing that they never knew. It's easy to see why in the text in verses 17 and 18, why it says, in great multitudes sought Jesus. You know why? Because he was delivering them of every disease and problem they had. And as a result, people were coming from all around. It says, great, a great crowd and great multitudes of people from all Judea and Jerusalem which is down south. He's up north in Galilee. I'm sure we've all seen the map, right? The region, we got the Sea of Galilee. He's up near the Sea of Galilee. 
and Jerusalem and Judea is down south. And then it says over on the coastlands of Tyre and Sidon, which are by the Mediterranean Sea. In some of these cases, uh, there was, they were, came as far as 60 miles north from the Sea of Galilee. And some of them would have, have, to, have to have traveled over 100 miles to get there. Well, we understand why. It would have been pretty spectacular. And if you're going to head with your family and take off and pursue this man who you heard about in the hill country of Galilee, well, it must be something pretty great. And if you put the records together, it was significant. There were truly great crowds. You can almost figure that there were probably ten to 20,000 easy people pursuing Jesus. Because there, it says in John chapter 6 that when Jesus fed the multitudes, there were 5,000 men. 5,000 men, they said, were there. Now, clearly, not just men showed up. Families showed up. We could say, if there, okay, there's 5,000 men. There, could, there would easily be half that, half that many women. So at least 2,500 women. And now you've got to understand, if there's that many women and that many men, so now we're up to 7,500, these people have big families because they all want to have as many kids as they possibly can. That's the cultural understanding and idea in that age. So let's just be conservative and say there's approximately four children. Four, four children per family. And so if there's four children per family and say there's 2,500 families represented, there's 10,000 kids. 10,000 kids, 7,500 adults. We got almost have, have 20,000 people conservatively. There's a great multitude pressing in and following Jesus. The point is that we have to understand is that when it says there's a great multitude, we need to know there was a great multitude and for really good reason. They wanted a chance to be healed of any problem they might have and to hear his powerful words. Now, just let's bring it into our context for a second to understand what this might have been like. Could you imagine if the people in the hospitals in the Seattle area, heard that there was a person who could heal. He could heal every cancer, every infection, every broken bone, every blindness, sickness, disease, deafness. He can even raise people from the dead. If that report went out and it was happening, what do you think would happen? Well, there would be a deluge. I mean, he would be smothered. There would be a great multitude. There would be millions chasing him down, especially in the day today that we live in of social media. Well, people would be tweeting about it, and they'd be posting on Facebook about it. Next thing you know, you'd have newscasters following around. And they'd be following around and in his face, try to get in there constantly to find out what's going on and to report this. And then you could sit at home and watch what's happening. Not only that, as him and his disciples hop in their escalade and take off, they probably have a, a, a helicopter following around, you know, watching from the sky. There he is, there he is, so everybody knows exactly where he's at. And each, of, and each and every one of us could receive healing. Just think of, we're not in hospitals. In this room, do any of you have sicknesses? Do any of you have aches? Do any of you have uh, you know, things that you're going through in your life, and you physically you could actually use a touch. <laughs> you could use some healing. 
Of course. This room is filled with people who said, I think I'll be heading down there. So you've got people who've got minor things going on, just feeling the effects of the curse, which we all do. Here's someone who can remove the effects of the curse. You know that bad back you've had for so many years? Gone. As good as new. That would be something special. What do you think the response would be? Well, it would be overwhelming. And in a day and an age where the only way they have information is by rumor. People talk about it. People spread it by word. That's it. And so for hundreds of miles around, people are flooding to this area because they're hearing of this one who's healing all their diseases. This would have been spectacular. And this is a demonstration of his power. But beyond that, you know, his power, his greatness, it goes beyond just, the, just hearing that he's touching people and he's healing them. It says something very significant here. That Jesus, great power is going out from him simply by touching him. Look at verse 19. He says, and all the crowd sought to touch him. Why? For power came out of him and healed them all. Just, just not him touching you, not him saying to you, be healed. If you could just touch him, you'd be healed. There's a story in Luke 8 where there was a great multitude pressing in on Jesus and a woman who had been bleeding internally for 12 years. She reached out and touched the fringe of Jesus' cloak. And she was healed. And there's a great multitude pressing in. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. And it was Peter who said, Jesus, I'm sorry to say, uh, there's a lot of people touching you. There's, there's a crowd pressing in here. And you're telling me somebody touched you? Uh, that's obvious, right? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. He looks around and he finds this lady. She had touched his cloak. And, he, and the reason he says his power had, come out, had gone out from me. Power had left me. And she was healed. And it's just unbelievable to think of the power that was in Jesus, just to touch his cloak, and the power would go out from him. This is quite astounding. Because Jesus clearly, clearly by this expression, you know what it tells us? Jesus is life itself. He is life. He is power. He is grace overflowing. Because through him and from him, he eradicates death and the cursed instantly. You touch him and all the effects of the curse are gone. Death. Death cannot stand in his presence, and it's quite astounding. You know, I find myself, when I think of Jesus, when I hear of his reports, I find myself, as I said in the beginning, longing. Man, if I could have been there. Wouldn't it have been great if we just could have been there to see that, to experience that, to have been a part of that? If we just could have been there. But you know what? I found myself as I was studying this needing to remember. 
Wait a second, Dean. Remember something. Jesus is alive today, and Jesus is doing these amazing things today. He's, he's blowing people's worlds apart today. There are approximately 2 billion people following Jesus today around the world. And many of them, many of them can share with you their testimonies of Jesus radically transforming their lives today. It's easy to think that Jesus, as we read this, Jesus did these great things back then. Back in the day, some 2,000 years ago, there was Jesus and he was doing these great works And he was transforming people's lives and people were flocking to him. But we don't always think of that same Jesus, the same Jesus we read about here on the pages of your Bible, is alive and working and acting today. Yet, he saves and delivers with power so many people on a daily basis. And I love the miracle stories of absolute transformation where there's just no explanation for it other than the transformative power of Jesus. Especially those people stuck in utter darkness. I listened to this young man's testimony named Nathaniel, who was deep, who, who was deep into homosexuality and drugs, which started at a fairly young age. It wasn't long, and his life, as you can imagine, was a complete mess and disaster. However, one night, he found, himself, he found that he couldn't sleep. And while he was tossing and turning on his bed, he had this vision. All of a sudden, he was wrapped up from head to toe by this massive snake. He says that it was like, and then he was underwater, and he was, he was drowning underwater. And he says that it was experientially, he felt like he was literally drowning, like he had that experience was going on. And then as he was drowning, he says he sees the, this cross with Jesus on it. And he said he did the only thing he knew to do. He cried out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, save me. And he says, instantly, the snake was gone, and I was above water. And he said, my, flow, my soul was flooded with joy. And he, he says, it was like I had these scales on my eyes that were removed, and I could see for the first time the world was all right side up. Everything seemed to make sense. He was flooded with joy and began to weep. And then he says, it was like he heard Jesus say to him, you need to repent. You need to go back to your family. You need to get plugged into the church. You need to, you need to start to follow me. And so he's, as he's weeping, he said, I just started writing this stuff down because he didn't dare want to forget it. So he's writing all the stuff down that he needs to go do. And, and, and right away, he, he leaves. He leaves up, heads back to his family. He gets plugged into the church. He gets baptized. He, he, gets, he starts to grow in his faith. And, and, and Jesus miraculously took away all his urges towards his sexual urges towards homosexuality and the drugs. He says it was gone. He says, I was a new creature. Brand new. Do you realize that Jesus does that stuff? <laughs> and, he, and he does it Continually, There are stories after stories of people testifying. This is what Jesus did for me in my life. It's unbelievable what he does. Here's another story of a young girl named Tammy. This is, she's, a, she's a very young girl, but she tells her story. She tells her story of what Jesus did for her. 
She goes, my story starts out like anybody else. For six years of my life, I was a typical kid. Then life got in the way and things start, started changing. When I was six, I watched my grandmother take her last breath. Four short months later, at age seven, my dad died. He died from complications from attempted suicide. I was never a, quote-unquote, normal kid after that. That in itself is way too much for a seven-year-old to handle all by herself. I started getting really depressed. I even went as far as attempting suicide. My heart was broken and nobody could or would help me. As time went on, I came, I came out of my depression and could see hope again. Then on January 27, 2009, my world crashed. My great aunt died. I was lost and empty. Eleven short months later, tragedy stuck, struck again. My papa died. I felt an anger start in my heart that would not soon be quenched. On June 16, 2012, my other papa lost his battle with cancer. I started spiraling. I was depressed, angry, and confused. I wondered why God, who's supposed to love me so much, kept ruining my life. I started drinking and smoking pot daily. Curling up to a bottle was the only thing to get me through the day. I started giving myself away in pieces and slowly at first, then all at once, until I had nothing left. I looked in the mirror and saw a stranger, a tired, broken stranger. I was a mess. And get this, I was only 14. But I felt like I'd lived a thousand years. Then on October 20th, 2013, I knew I couldn't continue down the road I was on. So I turned to Jesus. And guess what? He saved me from myself. I became a new person that day. He became my life. I could finally stop fighting. After 10 years of death and pain, I was exhausted. I could smile and laugh. My brokenness was healed. I had hope for the future. Do you know why Tammy had hope for the future? Do you, why, do you know why she became a new person that day? Because Jesus still saves today. The Jesus we read about in Luke 6, 17 through 19, about these amazing stories. He's saving, he's delivering, and working powerfully today. And the stories go on and on and on. He's not an ancient healer. He's not an ancient savior. He's not an ancient deliverer, the one that we read about. He's alive today. I'm sure all of us have testimonies. I hope we do of the power of Jesus in our lives. Have our story. We come from somewhere, and Jesus meets us in the middle and changes everything. Do you know, I have my own conversion story, and I could stand up here and tell you of the powerful grace of God in my life to transform me and create a whole new creature. But as I've walked with the Lord, I continue to have stories of His power and grace. I can stand here and I can testify to you 
that God is living and active, that Jesus is alive today working in the middle of tragedy and of situations, we, that we continually need to be saved by this Jesus. Do you know, when, uh, we went, when I went through the whole situation with Antonia, there were times, there were days, where I found myself undone, had no more. There was nothing left, crushed absolutely crushed, finding myself on my face, on the floor, with absolutely nothing left. Nothing. I've never in my life cried out from a part of my soul I didn't know existed. Cried out to the Lord to save and deliver me. Because I needed salvation. Not just salvation from sin and death the day that I might go be be with the Lord. I needed salvation that day. I needed Him more than ever. And you know what's amazing? Is that every time I cried out to the Lord from the depths of my heart, He saved me. He would lift me up in ways that's hard to describe. I never had one day where I went to bed that night that I, where He had not lifted me up, where I went to bed completely depressed, where I had no hope and everything was dark and bleak. Because at the moments I'd get there, He seemed to take me there quickly, and I cried out to Him. He would lift me up and strengthen me. I once had a friend who said, Dean, could you tell me what's the greatest thing you learned from all of this? And I said this, I said clearly, without hesitation, God's grace is sufficient. Because he saves his people. And he does so today. He is alive today. And no matter who, who we are or where, where we're at or what we're going through, when we cry out to him, when we look to him, and from our depths of our heart we plead with him, do you know what he does? He saves. He delivers. He shows us his miraculous power. That's the God we serve. This Jesus is not a Jesus of old dusty pages. This Jesus is alive today. Now, sure, he doesn't save us from our troubles and struggles and trials. Sure, he doesn't deliver us. Oh, Lord, just get me out of these circumstances because I hate them. I've prayed that a lot. Please, oh God, why doesn't he deliver me? Because that's the best thing for me. But what he will do is he will meet me in the midst of them. He will strengthen me. He will save me. He will deliver me. And he will will come to me in a way I haven't known him before in the middle of it. So often I feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're in the middle of the furnace. Who's there with them? This fourth person. (laughs) And the flames are not touching them. That's so often. That's our testimony. That God met me in the middle of the furnace. He didn't deliver me from the furnace. He met me in the middle of the furnace. That's so often how we find ourselves. And you know, as Christians, if we, we cry out to the Lord and we look to Him, we continually get saved and delivered by Him. And why? Because He's alive. And He's actively working in our lives. You know, one thing I, one thing I need and one thing you need is for all of us to testify to one another the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. 
Do you know what's happening here as these multitudes come and are touched by Jesus? Guess what they go and do? They go tell their friends and their family and the people around them. And what do they go tell them? Well, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. This is where I was at. Man, I could not, I could not move. My back was in such bad condition that I, it was just, I was crippled. I barely, people had to help me there. And all I did was touch him. And as I touched him, it was instantly healed. And I was made better. And look, watch. It's totally fine. You know, someone could have had a, a gibbled up hand that was all dwarfed and it was just in bad shape and now it's all working fine. Another person was absolutely paralyzed and walking. Another was blind and they see. And they have a testimony and they tell and declare to these people, this is what Jesus did for me. And, and people are like, Really? Is that what Jesus does? Is that what Jesus did for you? And so then they go, and they, I, I've got to go see this guy. Do you remember the guy, the, the demoniac on the other side of Galilee, where Jesus went and he, he founds out that there's a legion of demons in this man. He is out of his mind. He's naked running around the hills um, and just crazy. Jesus casts out the demons heals him, restores him. He's now in his right mind, and he wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, go and tell of the wonderful things that God has done for you. Go and testify to my grace. And what does he do? He goes and tells. He goes and tells them. And you know what? So often, I think so little is understood about Jesus. Because if you look around, what we're tempted to do is we're tempted to teach people. Teach people about him, which nothing wrong with that. But we're also te- or we're tempted to debate people with people about him. But it seems interesting that we, we begin to lose the impact and understand the importance of testifying to people about him. To testifying to them what he did for you. Because as we testify to the grace and the power and the saving deliverance of Jesus, do you know what it does for people? It impacts them, and they immediately begin to wonder, is if this, can this same Jesus, would he do that for me? Even, even with one another, if we testify to one another, if I testify to you what God has done for me in my life, and how he saved and delivered and how his power was made manifest in the situation. What does that do for your faith? It strengthens it. Jesus, if you could do that for them, you could do that for me. I need to hear your story. I need to hear you testify of the grace of God in your life. The power of Jesus. Because as I do, it strengthens me and it encourages me to reach out to Jesus. Your friends and your family, they need to hear about the power and the living grace of Jesus. And so often, I think we get caught up in teaching and debating, and it's all about ideas, as if people are convinced of Jesus by our great persuasive ways of putting it together. Do you know so often what, what really transforms people's lives is as they encounter your story. They encounter a living Jesus who transforms people's lives. 
And I remember even my own life. There were so many times when I would be, I would shy away from testifying and I would prefer to teach. I'd prefer to debate. But one thing I always, it's interesting, is that in debating and in teaching, it, se- it often seemed to me like Jesus was, was something, was an idea to be debated, to be discussed, instead of this powerful person who transforms people's lives. And I realized, I realized this week in preparing the sermon that I do not testify enough. I do not testify to the grace and the power of Jesus in my life enough. I do not tell others what God is doing in my life enough. Because if you're all like me, you don't mind. Do you like sitting around and telling stories? Yeah, we often like sitting around and telling stories with one another. But often in those stories, you'll find that you know, God gets excluded as, from being the hero, and either we're the hero or someone else is. But in our telling stories, there's so often we could tell stories and really help people to see and understand that God is the true hero in our stories. He's the one who saves and delivers. He's the one who protects. He's the one who defends. He's the one who guards and shields. And I get to, got to thinking about how many conversations we're in and how much we, have, we, we share stories, but how little we share about what God is truly doing in our lives. But maybe it's because that's something of the past and we're drifting away from that. Maybe it's something that's just gotten forgotten and we no longer share it. Or maybe it is that you look in your life and it's like, where is Jesus? What has he done? And it seems like there's just not much going on. Well, maybe what you need to do is cry out to Jesus from the depths of your heart and find him to be your savior and your powerful redeemer today. So you have more stories to tell and you can testify of his grace. But I'll tell you one thing. We as a community and the world out there and the people we know, do you know what they need? They need Jesus. He saves today. Jesus The same Jesus who is doing this to these people will do this today. And in a lot of cases, all it really takes for us to do is to be like the demoniac who's delivered. Just go tell people what God has done for you in your life. I would encourage you to start to think about how can you testify to the grace and to the power of God in your life in the stories you tell with the people around you in the way you talk. I would encourage you to more think about the importance of testifying, the importance of declaring the power of Jesus and the impact it has on people's lives, the impact it has on our faith, the transformative power it has in a community. I really do think that as we understand who Jesus is, what he's done, and how that's impacted our lives, that we have a testimony, we can testify to this power and grace, that as we start to share it, it starts to transform people's lives. And do you know what happens? I really do start to think that as this 
increases and we testify and people see that Jesus is living, that great crowds, great multitudes of people from all over start wanting to know this Jesus. They start, they start to become curious. They start to become attracted. They start to want to know more about this Jesus. And this is the way Jesus has designed it in so many ways. It's for us to go and tell of the wonderful things that he's done for you. And then watch him do wonderful things in other people's lives. Amen. Father, we're thankful and grateful for Jesus. Lord Jesus, you do save. And I just pray that each for each and every person here this morning, that wherever they're at, whatever they're going through, whatever the situation that they from the depths of their heart would cry out to you and find you to be their savior, find you to be their deliverer once again. And they would know your power, they would know your grace, they would know your goodness. And Father, that we would all, we would testify to it. We would declare the great things that the Lord, that you, O Lord, have done for us. Lord Jesus, how you save us. Father, I ask that you truly would meet us, save and deliver us, and that we would testify boldly to this incredible power and saving grace. Amen.